I'm Arie Schwartz, along with my co-host today, Rachel Galligan, and welcome to the WNBA Insider Show. Each week, we cover different topics important to the W, using X's and O's along with key stats to bring honest and critical analysis. Rachel, welcome back. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you doing, my friend? You know, I don't have a blizzard happening where I live, so <laughs> I am fine. Um, hold on, hold Rachel. on, hold on. <laughs> literally was, was got back to Denver yesterday, driving around with my windows down, sunny, happy country music blasting. And now I'm in about three feet of snow in a blizzard warning. It's just the wild. it's, it's wild. That's, that's probably really <laughs> fun. I'm sure. Um, <laughs> well, I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, I'm, you, you're, you're tough. You can handle that. <laughs> But Rachel, let's talk about the WNBA draft. I know technically it hasn't officially been announced. If you look at ESPN's uh, scheduling, you can you can figure out it's on the tenth. If you listen to the Indiana Fever, I believe COO broke the news or slipped up a few months ago about it. it it's next month on the tenth. Um, the draft's less than a month away. We've seen tons of draft big boards go up. We're not going to waste your your time and your precious uh, listening time with going into a whole draft big board. We want to talk about some players that maybe don't get enough attention. Rachel's been paying a lot of close attention to college basketball this season, obviously. Um, Me, a little bit less, more so focused on how it pertains to the W. But there's been a lot of players that I think maybe have a lot of, let's say, clout about their NCAA ability, and people start to think, oh, these people are going to translate to the W, and that's not always true. Um, There's... A plethora of examples, and I'm sure Rachel can bring up more and better examples than I can. Um, but Rachel, talk just a little bit about turning from college to the W. Because just because you're the all-time greatest scorer in, in college history doesn't mean you're going to be a great WNBA player. Yeah, and I think that's one of the biggest things that everybody has to take into account. You know, you have we've seen throughout the years so many just talented women come through, scoring machines, um, dominant at the college level. Uh, but it, it doesn't always translate to the WNBA. I mean, we're talking, you know, just physicality. We're talking speed of the game. We're talking versatility. Uh, so, you know, when you, when you see these WNBA scouts out watching games and uh, watching online, you know, 15 different screens that they're watching, these are all things that, you know, they're, they're paying attention to. Um, h- how does the physicality speed of the game, uh, that, that, that specific player's skill set translate over to the league? And, and obviously fit is going to be so important with that. You know, one one team might be able to accommodate a player like Megan Gustafson, whereas another team, there's absolutely no no place for her on that roster um, in terms of just their style of play. So there's a lot of factors that go into that. Um, but, you know, like you said, there's there's been some <laughs> some extremely talented scores um, in, in the NCAA world that just, you know, for a lot of different reasons, it does not translate to the next level. And that's okay, but it's just reality. I want to ask you something real quick. Um, you said scores. Are there other elements of basketball that you feel you could really excel at in the college game, but not necessarily translate over besides just scoring? Of course. I mean, rebounding. Um, you know, just the, the physicality of the college game is one thing, especially depending on the level that you're talking about. I mean, if we're talking about SEC, um, ACC level, um, even into the Big Ten, there's differences within those levels um, and just the way they play. The Big Ten is, is very different 
you know, than the SEC and <laughs> just the way they play, the physicality of the game, uh, the speed of the game. Um, so, yeah, I mean, speed, uh, rebounding, rebounding ability, um, just there's everything. <laughs> it's not just scoring. I mean, ability to, to defend. You know, you, you might be able to get away with being a four in the Big Ten, but you're not going to be able to be a four, you know, in the WNBA. It's not going to happen. Um, you know, so it, it, it all is just, there's so many levels to it. There's so many different, um, what ifs it's not just about scoring. Well, that's kind of going to be a a large key of this podcast, folks. We're not going to give you the answers. We're not going to pretend that we have all the answers. We're going to talk about some players we think should be getting a little bit more attention, but we're also going to pose some of the question marks on them that are legitimate question marks that nobody necessarily knows the answer. Everyone's going to have their own opinion. Um, and we'll leave it up to you to kind of, uh, you know, make your own, make your own bed and lay in it, if you will. Rachel, you want to go first? Yeah, I mean, who, do you, let, let's go through not just the players that aren't getting as much attention, but let's just kind of bounce around. We'll talk about all different types of names because this is a very interesting draft. And I think, you know, you, you bring in two big names, um, who could potentially come out early that completely alter the entire project trajectory of the um, WBA draft. So I think, I think let's just bounce around. Um, I, I'm going to talk about um, one player in particular that actually, it's probably just because I got back from the SEC tournament just a few days ago. <laughs> so I'm all hyped up on, on the Anriel Howard train, but my God, she, she, you know, right now, if, if you get online and, and you do some research, um, people have her going, you know, second rounds. I, I put very little stock into mock drafts. I don't really spend a lot of time looking at them. I don't, want to make them myself, even though uh, my editors want me to come up with them. I just, I, I don't know that I see a reason for it, but they are fun, you know, for, for everybody who puts the time um, to put them together. But, you know, Anne Howard is an interesting player to me. She, she completely showed out at the SEC tournament as Mississippi State went on to win the entire thing. And, and I, I, I think she's an interesting player because she's got the physicality. Um, she's undersized. She should be a four. Uh, but, you know, you're looking at three, four type of range. But, my God, she is playing at a really high level right now. Um, and you, you have her with the combination of Tierra McCallan playing together. And, and the way they are gelling offensively, playing off one another, was really fun to see. And I, I think, um, you know, head coach Vic Schaefer even said, you know, they're, they're starting to gel with the way they're playing. And, and you could translate that to the next level. You know, we all talk about Tierra McCallan, and obviously she's going to go extremely high in the draft. And, and I think she can have a pretty good WNBA career. I really do. But Andrea Howard, I think could be kind of a sleeper, um, especially as, as we're watching her, watching her through the course of this year. And she has continued to elevate her game to the next level as time has gone on. And she's someone that I think, you know, heading into this NCAA tournament, potentially even into the final four, whatever it may be, um, her draft stock could continue to go up um, because she's just, like you said, she's got, she's got the undersized, aspect of it, which is a knock, but she brings so many other dynamic elements from, from her first step, her ability to score, her toughness, her grit, her strength, uh, that I think is really appealing to a lot of WBA coaches. I I definitely agree. And I think it's interesting to see, you know, how she gels with, let's call them a big, um, and how she's going to fit into other teams. And they're kind of saying, Oh, we see how she's, how she's vibing with her big on this team. What can she do on our team? That's going to be the question. It's not a like I heard it on a podcast recently. I'm, I'm blanking on who it was. I, I want to say it was Cheryl Reeve saying 
everyone always says you go for the best pick, but that's so based on like it. it, it that's you, it's so easy to say the best pick. Uh, we're going to take the best pick here, but the best pick to this person is not the best pick to this person. Right. It's not the best pick to this person. And like you were saying a moment ago, it has to fit mm-hmm. onto your team, and that's where I get where I'm talking about Megan Gustafson. Um, I I have a few po- bullet points on. Hold that. on, hold on, um, hold on. When I'm looking at who's the, Megan yeah, Gustafson? Yeah. I thought it. Well, I thought I. She's I thought it was Mary. Do, 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 do. Wait, what? <laughs> All right, ESPN came out with this graphic. They called her Mary instead of um, Megan, and everybody was losing their minds over it. I was just making. It <laughs> I did not know that. That is everybody amazing. lost their minds um, over it. So yeah, I I, I was just making. It. And leave it to you to, to not get my joke. All right, <laughs> All right good. proceed. Classic. <laughs> well, so I mean, uh, let let's talk about her real quick though. Um my when I'm looking at she's a little in my opinion she's a little bit undersized. Um very briefly, the way I view her and I hope people get this reference, I kind of view her as the Kirkland version of Jessica Breland, Alyssa Thomas, Rebecca Brunson or Neca. Like she has those elements where maybe I mean for me, it's it's Breland and Brunson on one side. I don't want to say the less athletic, but slightly less athletic than Alyssa Thomas and NECA. Um, and she kind of falls right in between there where she has these elements where she can score, but she's a little bit undersized to cover people on the other end. Where does she where is she gonna fit? I personally I see her as a four. I really like her moves in the paint. Uh her body control is is amazing, and that's something that I think is very key. Um just for players who are slightly undersized, but are still, let's call them bigs, if you will, how they're going to form their bodies as they go from the day-to-day grind that you have as a college player to a professional where less is required of you of going into the gym every single day and working out and staying with that same you know game mentality, especially when it's a short season. The other concern I clearly have is her three ball. I, if, if I'm correct, she shot one three ball all season. She made it, so that's a great sign. She's shooting 100%. <laughs> She's shooting 100%. So if you look at the, the percentage, it's a great sign. But, you know, can she up that to something that's a consistent weapon of hers, which I think is going to be key? Uh, Rachel, before we got in the pod, we were talking about, you know, let's talk about these players and where they can actually fit in the league. And you touched on that a moment ago. When I'm talking about her, Looking through the list, honestly, the team that I think is the best fit and possibly one of the only fits, if you will, is is Phoenix, the Mercury. I mean, when you have the ability to kind of cover her on the back end and make up for her lack of size, which obviously that has an asterisk next to it, um, I can't think of a better teammate than Brittany Griner, and I can't think of a better also teammate than Duana Bob. Um, Okay, I'm taking all that in. I, you know, but how, how, how do you compare her to? Like a Marie Gulich at Phoenix, where does she fit? Where does she fit with that dynamic? You know what I'm saying? That's a good I mean, question. What, what what we saw her bring to the table last year with Phoenix in her rookie season, which was very limited, um, you know. But th- those are those are the types of things you know you're looking at. Um, you have a Marie Gulich, you have a Megan Gustafson. Which one do you take? Um, one has a little bit more size. One probably has a little bit more, I guess. Some would say skill just around the basket. Some would argue. Some would argue against that. But that's like to me, that's a big question. And I, you know, I I don't need you to answer that because I think everything we're posing right now 
are just a ton of questions. But, um, you know, with, with Gustafson, the thing about her is, you know, she is a tremendous talent. I mean, I, I, I adore her game. I, I love watching her, her footwork. Um, she's one of the most knowledgeable post players we've seen in years in terms of just her, her understanding of, of the game, um, understanding of angles, understanding of positioning. I mean, she's got great hands. She can finish. She's, I mean, I love her. I could talk about her. Just, so, just to make myself look smart, those were all reasons that I compared her or gave that NECA-esque sure. uh, dub to her right. because of that footwork. I think she makes up for her, for her lacks with that knowledge and that IQ. Right. But, you know, that to me, I think she's a little bit of what, what, what I would call it a tweener. Um, especially when we're talking about the next level. Um, like you said, you see her as a four. Um, I, I see her as a center. In my, in my mind, that's what she is. That's what her skill set is um, out on the court, night in and night out, what, what I'm seeing. And so for her to be able to play um, at that four position or at that forward position, whatever it may be, um, her ability to stretch the floor, her, her ability to play off the bounce, her ability to defend out on the perimeter, um, her ability to, you know, guard in different situations that maybe she hasn't had to do a ton at Iowa, um, at least up until this point. Those are all the big question marks. And those are all the question marks that um, probably are why she is as low as she has been in some of these drafts. It's, it's nothing against her offensive skill set. Um, it's, it's everything about kind of where does she fit? You know, if you have her playing at the five, okay, well, how does she match up against Liz Cambage? How does she match up against a Griner? I mean, that's, that's a whole other element that she has never had to go against in her entire life. We don't know how that translates. Um, you know, oh, hundred percent. And, and that's why I say Phoenix, because if we think about it, put her on any team, you know, getting some starting minutes, obviously this is an ideal world. She's getting starting minutes. But is there a team that your starting five can kind of cover her, hide her on defense with those with those issues? Those are the questions. I mean, you know, yeah. who, who how, how does she guard uh, Brianna Stewart? How does she guard uh, Howard? You know, how does she guard even you know Candace Dupree? I mean, they, they, these are the things you got to think about, um, and, and and they're all unknowns, um, honestly. And again, I'm not trying to sound negative in any any way because I think she is she's a giant, she's one of the biggest question marks in my opinion because she could very easily be one of the most dominant women's college players we've seen in recent years who goes on to make a training camp and maybe plays a few games and ends up getting waived or we could see her go through and play in the league for a few years and actually, you know, be able to contribute and do some big things. I think it's a huge unknown at this time. Yeah. I, it, it, she could be the steal of the draft, which sounds ridiculous based off of the attention or lack of attention, whichever way you're looking at it. But the, the accolades she has done and all the things that she has, has been successful in, in her college career. It, it's funny to be calling her a possible steal of the draft. That, that That's all. Rachel, give me, give me another player that's been standing out to you in your, uh, in your studies. Oh man. I mean, you could obviously go, Right down the top, you could talk about so many different players. I mean, you've got Asia Durr, who I'm a huge fan of Asia Durr. I think she is arguably the most skilled player in this draft. People might. Real quick, I'm going to put you on the spot. Uh, Arike or Asia Durr, which one? 
Oh my God. Someone asked me that. You only, you, you only get one. You got five seconds. You're on the clock. Otherwise you botch the draft pick and you get no, I'm one. going to Rike. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. And I was actually talking to, um, uh, a coach this weekend about that WBA coach this weekend about it. I really, I love both of them. Their games are very different. Um, for the record, for the Louisville fans who are going to want to come after me for this, I'm sorry, but I'm just being completely honest. I love Asia Durr. She is highly skilled. She's going to have a tremendous WNBA career. I think she is probably down the road, we're going to see her at her best as kind of that second, third scoring option on a long-term team. Um, I think that's where she fits in this league. I think she'll have a great career. I really do. Um, Arike. The, the difference between the two, they both are high-volume scores. Um, we we, we have, have the ability to put up a ton of points. I mean, God, we just saw Asia drop, like, what was it, 47, like, a week ago, um, which is incredible. Arike, you don't have to say a ton else about that. But the, the, the point with Asia that I get a little bit frustrated with is she has a tendency to – go missing for extended amounts amounts of times within games. So she might come out that first quarter and drop a quick 14. And then we don't see her again until like the third quarter. Um, a lot of that could be adjustments, whatever it may be. Um, and I, she, 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 she goes kind of MIA for stretches at a time. And I've watched her a lot. I, I, I've covered Louisville basketball for, for a long time. So, you know, th- that's one thing I've noticed about her is she kind of just goes away. Um, at moments. And, and that can be frustrating with someone who is, you know, and, a lot, and there's a lot of reasons for that. Could be the way Jeff Walls is coaching the team, could be the shot selection, all those things. So the thing about Arike is, you know, I, I really think down the stretch, her ability to take over games. I mean, God, talk about the, talk about last year's national championship. Wait, I was going to say, wait, she can take over. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I don't know that we've seen that from Asia Durr the way we've seen it from Arike. We really, I, we have not, in my opinion. Um, I'm talking about that that like Michael Jordan esque clutch gene end of game ball in my hands. Let me completely throw the team on my back and take over. Arika has more of that, in my opinion. Um, that that Diana Taurasi element, just if you like that cold blooded, um, you know, whatever you want to call it. it. It's 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 a it's it's something that is very unique in in high level players. Um, and I I'm not saying that Asia does not have that. I'm not. She's probably in many ways more skilled than Enrique. Uh, but it's just kind of this, like I'm, I'm talking about the, the Jordan gene, you know, <laughs> down the stretch. So that mm-hmm. for me, um, I, I would go with Enrique because of that, that reason. But my God, Asia Durr is incredibly talented and she is, like I said, probably the most skilled player in this draft and she's going to have an awesome WNBA career. Well, since we're talking about MJ, um, shout out to UNC. I figure I should drop my uh, my last person on my list, Paris Key. Um, now we know UNC is known for making great guards, right? But the thing that really blows me away about her is her paint vision, her ability to be mid shot motion, see an open player in the paint or near her that has an, a, a higher percentage shot, and that selflessness and vision to get the ball to them right away. That, that's what stands out to me. She can score on many levels. I think a, a one knock that I would have for her is her three-ball percentage has really dropped this season like a ridiculous amount. Um, but I do like her size. She's 5'9". On defense, she has some issues, um, but she's also a leader. 
And I like players who can lead. She, I, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I saw her play this season, one of my very few uh, NCAA games that I've ever been to. Um, I, I was blown away at her speed watching her on TV after that because I was like, all right, I got to pay attention to this team a little bit. I don't think watching her on TV gives her enough credit to her speed. She really can move in various directions. In like, it, I don't even know how to explain it. Like, she has that hop, that element. It's it's not on the same level of uh, of uh, Diamond Shields, but she has that same that same spark of just like snap, and all of a sudden she's doing something ridiculously athletic. I don't really have a much of a comment to be honest. I, I've honestly I've only watched her maybe a couple of times, <laughs> so my. Uh, no, I'll be, I'll be real. I mean, like, look, she's, I think I've seen her projected third round. I've seen her projected second round. And I think that's pretty accurate. She's just a player that I could see, you know, sneaking For onto sure. a roster, making making a roster, being, you know, a, a team that needs a young bench player or whatever. And we know it's insanely, insanely hard to even get on a WNBA roster. So I'm not saying this lightly. I think she's a player that if she can sneak onto a roster and get some legitimate minutes is going to wow some people. And whether or not she ends up like being one of those people who makes a surprise on a roster and spends her career mostly on one team, she might end up being one of those players that bounces around a little bit. But I truly believe this is a woman that is going to have a successful WNBA career if she gets the opportunity. All right. My turn? Yeah, go for it. All right. So since I'm on the SEC bandwagon right now, it's fresh in my mind. I want to bring up Sophie Cunningham. Um, I'm not sure if you know much about her, but she is one of probably the most hated by opponents and most adored <laughs> by her own team and teammates. Uh, plays for- Talk about why, though. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, there, there's a huge debate that's gone on for years about whether, you know, is she a dirty player? Um, is she... It's it's whatever it's 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 whatever. If if anyone follows oh, men's basketball, you- I'm just I'm just gonna say real quick, Rachel. I have not followed her that much. Obviously, I've seen the highlights of her. I've seen some of the cool stuff she's done. I like her last name. Um, but just based off of your description of that she's hated by some, loved by others, and she might be a dirty player, you got me on the bad leg. <laughs> well, and that's that's the thing that makes Sophie Cunningham. Um, and I am a huge Sophie Cunningham fan. Put it on record. Don't really care what you have to say. I think... Um, she borders the line of, yeah, she can be a little bit like you got you got to keep an eye on her. You know, you really, really do. Uh, but she's also the type of player um, that has that grit and that mentality um, and has that edge to her that is extremely difficult to find. We don't you don't see that. She is so confident in her abilities. Um, what what she has had to go through, from the scrutiny to a lot of the, you know, people really, really criticizing her fan base is criticizing her. Uh, she's had a tough go, but she has remained focused. She's kept the course. Uh, she, she, in so many ways has thrown, well, she has thrown this Missouri basketball team on her back. Um, and she is um, the, now the all-time leading scorer for Missouri. But I think what, what I love the most about her, she's the type of player and actually, I was surprised. Like, like I've I've seen Sophie so many times. I remember watching her in high school when she was coming out, kind of recruiting her, which she was never going to come play for me. So whatever. Um, watching her at high in high school, and then where she is now, she's a lot bigger than I I remembered. 
Um, so I'm looking at her physicality and her frame and what she brings. She's got a, in my opinion, um, a, a league ready body. People would disagree with that, but I, I think she does. Um, but she is, a, she is a hard nosed. I mean, that, that's an understatement um, capable of scoring. And she brings an edge to a roster that in the right roster trickles down and it has a domino effect to everybody else on the team. And that's what she's done with Missouri. Now that the, the question is going to be, how does a personality like Cunningham's get onto a WNBA roster? And how does that personality vibe with everybody else on that roster without somebody wanting to, you know, punch somebody in the face? Um, But, but, you know, that, that, that's kind of the big question mark. I think, um, I think she can, She'll make some training camps. She'll 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 sneak onto a roster. I think there's a place for her. She just and it's not necessarily because she's the quickest. It's not because she's, she, but she has enough and she's she's skilled enough. She can score it. She, and she's got that mentality that's just like I don't give an f and I'm better than you and I'm not afraid of you and I'm not going to back down to you. And it's legitimate. It's not it's not fake. She doesn't fake it. And when you have someone who has that skill set and all of that and combined with that mentality, there's a place for her. There has to be a place for her. I, I think um, she is, I think some, some of these draft boards have her in the second round, which probably is, is accurate. Um, she could sneak into the later, uh, later back end of the first round, you know, depending on who decides to come out, who doesn't, that'll be, that'll be kind of, you know, there's so many what ifs in this, but I'm a huge Sophie Cunningham fan. Um, she's going to have to, learn to work with a lot of the different egos at the next level, but, um, and, you know, continue to handle her business in the correct way. But she, she's a, she's a tough one. I really like her. Well, I gotta say, like, if, if based off of what you're describing, she's the type of player that can really excel in this league, first of all, because I think this league needs a little bit more of that. I'm good. I know I'm good. Screw you. I'm going to do me. I, we need that confidence. I think seeing that in the players and and letting more of these players' personalities come out and not being afraid to say, "Hey, you know, these players have that that type of mentality." Sometimes I want to talk smack. We should like we should not be frowning upon that and saying like, "Oh, you can't." Everyone needs to be like these are professional well soon to be professional athletes, and I love that mindset. I also think as a teammate of hers, that's got to oh, be no amazing doubt. to have someone on your team like that who will go to bat with you. And like and I said, her mentality has um, completely um, yeah. dominoed <laughs> down to that entire Missouri roster, you know, and she, she's taken on kind of that whole, that whole team's kind of taken on that, that chip on her shoulder that she just innately naturally plays with. Uh, Absolutely. And then, and that's a competitor. That's She's leadership. a high level competitor and sometimes too competitive to the point where it gets a little bit, a little bit questionable as to what she's doing on the court. She's got to keep that in check. But there, there's a part of that that as a coach, as someone who you want that competitiveness out of someone. And again, we're talking about an elite level of competitiveness. Everybody wants to say they're a competitor. Oh, I'm, I'm ready. You're not. You're not. Not to this level. Sophie Cunningham is one of the biggest competitors um, probably in this draft board. Um, now, where, where she's going to fit, who knows? But like you said, that's, that's the leadership part. Um, I'm, just, I'm very curious to see where, this, where, she, where, she, where she makes it, um, how far her career can go in the league, you know, if she does, um, how her personality vibes with, with a certain team. Um, that, those are, I've really got my eye on her. Some, I love competitive players. I love players who 
you know, will go all out diving for balls, screaming, jumping up after a great shot, fist pumps, little jigs down down the court as you, after you score. I, I am all about that. I think creating more personality, or not creating, because all these players have personalities, but we're finally getting to a point in the W where there's enough people covering it that we can really start to dive in on the stories of these players and really get to know them better. And then, I mean, there, what was it, like a week ago, we had Candace Parker got like outed in front of everyone about how behind the scenes she said something about um, like she hates New York or like the new, she hates the Liberty. And, and I don't think like, yeah, granted, maybe like that's not the greatest thing for the league, but I think that's great to kind of create you know, get some blood boiling and get these conversations going. That's not a bad thing for the league to have players to be willing to be open enough to talk about, I don't like this team. You know, three years ago, a fan screamed something at me. And in my mind, I was like, all right, now this team is the team that I'm always going to show up against. You know, stuff like that, I think will help this league. Personal. Mm-hmm. personal. Yeah. Rachel, you got one more player. Mm-hmm. Or are you ready to wrap? I have one more topic I want to discuss, and I have not seen anybody really talk about this yet. And it's not necessarily my opinion. I literally have questions for everybody listening to this. So go ahead and at me. Give me your opinions. I genuinely want to know what you guys have to say. Let's talk about Sabrina Ionescu. Mm -hmm. Most most people, if she decides to come out, which is still 50-50 at this point, um, have her going first. Not arguing against that. <laughs> she's incredible. She's a triple double machine. She's extremely skilled and she's completely yeah, ridiculous. But my question is with Las Vegas having the first round pick, everyone has her going to Vegas. Where do you where do you how do you play Kelsey Plum and UNESCO together combined with the Kayla McBride facet? In my opinion, you look at Kelsey Plum who um, had had the career she did. Um, it was a dynamic score, did all those things. And then you bring in UNESCO. Like I see a lot of, um, I'm not saying they're the same player, they're not, but but like, like how do you play those two together <laughs> in, in the league? Like, how, you know, I'm, I'm trying to figure out why, why, why would Vegas take UNESCO when they have Kelsey Plum? And I think Kelsey Plum is on the verge of really, I mean, we saw what she did last year. We all know her ability to score, you know, the, the confidence she's starting. Year. She's yeah, I, I think so too. And so she's on the verge of this up and up and, and she's been in the league for a few years. Okay. So then you bring in UNESCO and again, there's, there's going to be a learning curve with her. She's not going to just, maybe I'm wrong. If so, this is going to be the most amazing um, draft pick we've ever seen coming in and getting triple doubles in year one, but there will be a year, a learning curve for UNESCO as well. Um, so it might take a couple years for her to kind of find her footing the same way as it has with Plum. But I'm trying to figure out how those two play together. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, and then defensively, who, who if you're Vegas and you've got UNESCO, Plum, and McBride like guarding on the perimeter, that's I, I I'm not a fan of that. Um, I struggle with that. Um, so I, I this is a question that I have. I'm how does Vegas do, do they just take her because she's the best pick in this draft? And then you just have Plum and UNESCO, and then you got to find a way to kind of play them together. You know, I, I don't know. I, this is just something I've been thinking about a lot um, with those two together. And, 
you know, that, that fit with Vegas and the personnel that they have, are they too similar from a physicality, um, from a defensive standpoint to, you know, a lot of ways, almost being a liability. Um, I don't know. That's that's just my question um, out there. Or does Vegas decide to go a different route? I I, I think if she she declares Vegas is taking her no matter what, and let's not look away from the idea of some trades going down. Um, You know, I I, I, I I just think it's legitimate. What you're saying is very legitimate. It's been like we've talked about it before. It's been popping around in many people's heads. The real question is, all right, we're thinking that way. So then obviously, you know, too many cooks. Someone's got to go. And do you put your money on this young talent that has kind of this potential ceiling that we don't know where it's at, that all these question marks? Or do you stick with something that, you know, you have these two players that you you have an idea. I mean, like we're talking about Plum, I think we're all kind of waiting for her to have that breakout season this year. So do you kind of put your your car? I just want to make so many uh, betting puns because the aces. Um, but like, are you going to put all of your <clears throat> all your cards or all your? I won't. All your chickens in one basket and uh, eggs. Egg, eggs. Uh, <laughs> you gonna put all your chickens in one basket, or are you gonna? Or are you gonna? You know, hope that it works out with this u- new young player. I, I, it's a very interesting situation to have, and. I think it, the Aces are in a, a a lovely situation for this coming year. Well, well, and and like you said, there is still the Liz Cambage trade talk is heating up again. Things are Ooh, things are going down. Things are happening. Heard it here first. Um, things are starting to heat up, and and you know it still feels like it's taken forever, and it probably will. But that that trade alters like four different teams. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, so it's, it's, it's too early to even talk about Vegas with the number one pick because there's still a possibility that Cambage ends up at Las Vegas. Um, I think it's a complete unknown at this time, but whether she ends up at in LA or she ends up in Vegas, I think uh, it's probably 50, 50 at this point with both of them. But, you know, like you said, the, the trades that, that, that one itself has such an impact on so many different teams and it has, it has such an impact on so many different decisions that these coaches are going to make heading into the heading into the draft. So um, all of this at this point is just, we'll, we'll, we'll be, we'll be singing to a different tune here a month from now. So, you know, March madness is going to raise and drop other people's draft stock. Uh, then the draft's going to come around. Certain people are going to be, are going to declare certain people won't. Um, and we're going to see a lot of motion. This has been a fun off season and it ain't done. It ain't done. He said it. It ain't done, but we're done. This has been the WNBA Insider Show. Rachel Galligan and me, Arya Schwartz, each week different topics important to the W.